let's pray. God, we thank you for your presence with us today. And um, pray, come Holy Spirit. Speak to us today. And um, Lord, I pray that you would enfold us in your love and um, speak your truth into our hearts today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So today we've reached this critical moment in the story of Exodus that we have been going through here in the last month or so. And the people who have sinned, as we heard about last week from Pastor Jan, they made a golden calf and worshipped it as a god who had brought them out of Egypt. Huge no-no because that was not the god who had brought them out of Egypt. And the consequences of their sin was costly. If you read the rest of um, Exodus chapter 32, there is death, there is a plague. It's pretty intense stuff that happens there. And now at the end of chapter 32, Moses is going to go to the Lord on behalf of the people. And he's told the people, I, um, perhaps I can make atonement for your sin, he says to them. And so he goes back to the Lord. And that's where we find ourselves here in Exodus chapter 33 today. And in this in this chapter, we're given the opportunity to hear this kind of intimate dialogue between God and, and Moses. And right at the beginning, earlier in chapter 33, God sends Moses out again. So he goes back to business and he's like, I am still instructing you to lead these people to the land that God has, that I have promised you on an oath to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. This land flowing with milk and honey is still in your future. And here, I'll send an angel to go with you. That's who I'll send with you, God says. But he says this also. But I will not go with you because you are a stiff-necked people and I might destroy you on the way. Woo! <laughs> so when the people heard these distressing words, they mourned and stripped off their ornaments. Those are distressing words. And it's for good reason that the people mourn. Really, what hope do they have if the Lord does not go with them? What remains if they lose their identity as this special possession of the Lord? If they lose their identity as God's own kingdom of priests and holy people? We know how the people reacted even when God was present often with fear and complaining. <laughs> we saw that earlier in Exodus. But what would become of them if God was absent? What would become of them? And so in our, we come to our scripture passage for today, Exodus 33, verses 12 through 23. And as we heard in the lesson reading, um, it's a moment that is, that is pivotal not only for the people and for their future, but it's pivotal in this relationship between God and Moses as well. And Moses says to the Lord, there's this, well, first I'll say this, there's this interesting chunk in between in, in chapter 33 of like all of a sudden they're like in dialogue and then they stop and then there's kind of this different narr narrative voice that comes in and talks about the tent of meeting, how Moses would go into the tent of meeting to be with God. And then it goes back into this dialogue. It's this weird little thing. And I didn't, feel like, I didn't figure out why that was, but <laughs> I wanted to tell you, there's like this little pause, and then it starts anew with this. 
And Moses, Moses' reply now to the Lord after the Lord says, I will not, I will not go with you. Um, and Moses says this, you have been telling me lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. He kind of ignores the angel thing. <laughs> you have said, I know you by name and you have found favor with me, but if you are pleased with me, then teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. So Moses brings his case before the Lord and the Lord responds, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And then Moses says to him again, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Let's pause there for a moment. Moses' request before the Lord is not only a request for guidance for the people. Moses, I think, also really wants and needs to know something about Yahweh himself, about God himself. God, what is your intention with us? What's your intention with me? You said lead these people. <laughs> Remember, these are your people that I'm trying to lead. If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. It sounds to me like Moses is saying, what's the point if you do not go with us? And God's response to him is straightforward. I will do the very thing that you have asked. Why? Because I am pleased with you, and I know you by name. Do you remember the first time that God spoke Moses' name? Gosh, it's such a good story, and I wish we would have started from the beginning <laughs> of Exodus, actually. The first time that God spoke Moses' name, it was from a bush that was on fire but didn't burn up. And back then, Moses was in his shepherding days, and he saw this strange sight of this bush that was on fire but that did not burn up. And so he, in curiosity, he went to check it out. And the Lord saw that. He came to take a look. And he called to him then from that bush, Moses, Moses. Or in the voice, there's like all these cartoon voices that come to my head like, Moses. <laughs> it's always with like Z's at the end or something. Um, but this, that was when God first called to Moses. And Moses said, here I am. And God said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. At this, this was Moses' response at first hearing God speak his name. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Ooh. <laughs> Moses has come a long way in this story. It was there at that time then that God continues this conversation with Moses way back. This is in Exodus like chapter 3 and 4. Um, it was there that God declared his intention to rescue his people from slavery in Egypt. 
In fact, Moses was the one who God was going to send to Pharaoh to bring his people out of slavery. And it was in this burning bush encounter that Moses learns about God's name. So God has spoken Moses' name, and then it's in this same encounter that God first reveals his name to Moses. And Moses, God says, I am who I am. Some translators say this it as, um, I will be who I will be, God says. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Whew, so Moses gets this crazy call, and there are names. His name is called. Then God's like, you want to know? You, <laughs> you want to know what God is sending, sending me to you? If the people ask, who is this God? What is his name? God says, I am, I am. I am has sent me to you. And so now God and Moses have been on this long journey together. And I think the trust and growth in Moses' relationship with I am um, are witnessed in these next bold words of Moses in Exodus 33, 18. So they've had this conversation. God says, I will do, I will do what you have asked because I am pleased with you and because I know you by name. And then Moses said, show me your glory. No longer does Moses hide his face in fear from God. This is not the same Moses as we encountered back in Exodus chapter 3. No longer does Moses hide his face in fear. He has heard God's promise of continued presence. And now he takes the next step, takes it a next step further. And he requests that Yahweh demonstrate the reality of his promise to be present. So Moses is like, show me. Show me your glory. Show me your glorious presence. He's heard the promise, and now he wants to experience it. I can identify with Moses. I like, hear your promise, and I want to experience it. What does God do? In response, God reveals himself to Moses. Not his face, but indeed his presence. These, this, the presence of who he is in his entirety, his character. In verse 19, God says, I will cause all of my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, Yahweh, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. This God is, I am who I am. I will be who I will be. I will be merciful on whom I will be merciful. I will be compassionate on whom I will be compassionate. You wish to know me, Moses? Yes. I am merciful. Willingly, I enter into humanity's chaos and wretchedness to extend my mercy. I am compassionate. Willingly, I come alongside you in your suffering, despite the mistakes you've made along the way. God makes it clear that who he is is not determined by human failures or successes. One commentary said this, 
um, that it was like God saying, I will maintain the covenant on my terms and God, as God and not on human terms. And God says, this is what I'll do. I will have mercy and my presence will go with you. And I will give you rest. I'm drawn in by this story of God and Moses and in a way that I didn't expect, God has used it to reassure me this week. And it's been a, a story that has kind of like come up again and again. I looked at it this summer when I was in that covenant class. It's, it became the refrain of our birthday sermon. If you can remember back in September of my presence will go with you. And we tracked that presence of God through covenant church and through our church and in the Benedictine tradition and all those things, my presence will go with you. And it's just like continued to come, this story of God and Moses. And it came in a different way that I didn't expect this week. I was kind of like, ah. <laughs> you know when you like start to hurt, hear things like a number of times and then suddenly you're like, uh, it was like, wah, and it's less wah this time or something. Um, but in a way I didn't expect, God has used it to reassure me this week. And I confess that I've had some confusion and anxiety lately, some discouragement about our smallness here on Sunday mornings. Maybe you felt that, maybe not. But it's been pretty small, and I was okay with small. So we were small, and then it was like, we're really small. <laughs> And then I was like, I feel less okay with this degree of smallness, <laughs> Lord. But the confusing part is that our worship here together, every Sunday to me, feels heartfelt. And it's like God shows up and God's presence is here and real. And I see God's spirit at work in us and through us by this trip to Mexico, which was like this quiet, little, ordinary, beautiful thing. And in the recording session that we had, singing our songs together, and in our first John Bible study, I've sensed God's spirit like opening up our hearts. And, um, and here around the table, every week, the gift of Christ's life is passed from hand to hand and then from hand to mouth every week. And then though, though I experience all of those things time after time, I'm kind of like, but then I feel like, but where is everybody? <laughs> and then I slip into that scarcity place. Remember that like Egypt, Pharaoh, scarcity, anxiety kind of thing. And I think God has showed me that I've been mistaken. I've been mistaken to think that somehow our, our smallness is an obstacle to God's glorious presence among us. I've been mistaken. And wrong to think that a few gathered to worship God together is less than many gathered together. But make no mistake, like, to be sure, I want... I want us to be growing, and I want to share our life in Christ together. I want that, and I don't know what the solution is, if there is a solution that indeed we have to come up with, but I want that. So that hasn't gone away. But I don't want to project my feelings of scarcity and anxiety 
onto our church or onto God, which I've done both. <laughs> so I confess that too. Like, whoa, it's their fault. It's God's fault. Everybody's at fault. I'm at fault too. It's my fault. You know, and that's been a mistake. That's been a mistake to think that somehow our smallness is an obstacle to God's glorious presence among us. In our story for today, God has reminded me and reassured me that his presence among us is by no means diminished. His presence among us is by no means diminished or determined by our successes or failures. Certainly, it is not determined or diminished by a large turnout or a small one. Nor is it diminished or determined by whatever my preference is in the matter. <laughs> I will be who I will be, God says. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. I will be merciful on whom I will have mercy. And my presence, God says, will go with you. And I will give you rest. So I tell you today, church, that nothing new, this is nothing new, but our God is a God who keeps his promises. My presence will go with you. And God has kept his promises. God has continued to be present with his people. God continues to be present with us. His presence is not diminished by how few or how by many, however many come. So we've been studying this um, book of 1 John. And um, I just want to share part of it that our group studied this past week that feels like it encapsulates the same truth of God's presence with us, but in a different, in John's word, words. His words sound a little different than Moses's. So we'll, um, I want you to hear that. But I'm also going to send Carolyn to get the kiddos as I um, begin to read that. So this is from 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 through 16. This is how God showed his love among us. This is how he showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. We know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and we testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in her, and she in God. And so we know and we rely on the love that God has for us. <clears throat> 
as we worship God this morning, what we proclaim is not ourselves. We proclaim the holy name of Jesus, the Son of God who took on flesh and made his dwelling among us. We believe that. And so with humility to this day, let us take up the words of Moses. And my prayer is that our prayer, we would be able to go confidently before God's throne. Our little small band here of people. We would be able to go right up, march up, right up to God's throne, escorted there by Jesus Christ himself, and say, God, teach us your ways so that we may know you. Teach us your ways, oh God, that we may know you. And God, we hear your promise that you are with us. And now, show us your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name.